The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. That guy is correct. It is the Pinpoint Health Show and the phone line's already open. You have uh, health concerns. Uh, whatever the topic, bring it on. Musculoskeletal, of course, is the uh, the focus and the bailiwick of Dr. Lou. But uh, we discuss all kinds, and we love talking to you here on the uh, on the air. So the next 50 minutes, this is a forum for you to reach out, get some answers. When the show's done, one eight five 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 doctor lou D-R-L-O-U, Pinpoint Health. You want to reach out on Google as well anytime and uh, follow the Lou Down, your favorite uh, podcast channel, wherever you get those. The Lou Down are there as well, always updating those. And always opening and expanding as far as the clinic network is uh, is concerned as well. Open, ready, fully uh, safe to uh, to visit Dr. Lou's clinics and start getting the help you should not be putting off any longer. But having said that, brother, what's uh, what's on your mind? How are you? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Beauty, love it. Ready to uh, ready to take some calls. Ready to talk about stuff that's uh, that's important to everybody. What uh, what do you want to start? Uh, with? Absolutely, and I'll reiterate that I love the calls. I love doing this show because of the calls. I'm happy to talk about. Um, anything uh, really healthcare related. Sometimes people even call in with non-healthcare related questions, which I may not be an expert in, but I could do my best. But definitely on the healthcare side, I mean, you know, the last, what has it been now, a year and a half, almost, almost close, yeah, a year and a half of a of a health crisis that we've been in. So I think health is top of mind uh, uh, on everybody's list and, and something that you know, you and I, John, have been going, we've been talking about this from, from the start of this uh, pandemic, is, is just the fundamental aspect of, of underlying health and how much that matters towards everything else. COVID-19 is a real virus. It creates a real disease. It can be very dangerous. One of the things and one of the messages that I've been trying to get across uh, in the last year and a half, and again, this doesn't only apply to COVID-19, it applies to everything. The healthier you, healthier you are overall, the more likely you're going to do better with anything that comes your way. That's consistent for anything, whether it's this virus or someone who happens to be diagnosed with cancer, unfortunately, their prognosis is likely going to be better if they're healthier, uh, depending on the cancer, of course. Uh, it's even consistent with injuries. Um, if someone hurts themselves, they tear, they tear a certain tendon or they break a certain bone, People who are overall in better health tend to recover better from most things. That's just the reality. That's not something new that is all of a sudden something that we've just figured out in the last 18 months. This is something we've always known and something that anybody who is genuinely interested in your health care would have had these discussions with you. And, and five years of doing this show, that has been the premise, the underlying premise, uh, the overarching theme of, of the shows is to, to be healthy and to be proactive in your health. And that's a very important thing. And, you know, it, it, there's never a wrong time to start either. Just because you may not be there today doesn't mean that you shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be aiming to be there tomorrow or the day after that. It's, it's always good to start. And one of the things when I speak about this that I really like to clarify is when I say health, that doesn't mean aesthetics. I'm not talking about you've got to look like a bodybuilder. In fact, sometimes those people may actually be unhealthy because, again, right. one, of, one of the things that I try to often describe is the overall stress curve, right? So whether this is mental health or physical health, whatever it is, there's a moderate level of stress that's applied that has a benefit. And if you're, too, if you're not doing anything, then it's, it's probably dangerous. And if you're doing too much, 
you're susceptible. This is why we see elite athletes um, that get COVID not doing so well with it because they're on that extreme. They're, they're taxing their body every single day. That's not, I'm not saying that, that, that they're unhealthy individuals. I'm just saying when I talk about the general person and I'm talking about general health, I'm talking about a diet, a diet that's moderate in what you eat and that is more real foods than anything that's processed. And, and again, it's not rocket science. We all know what that means. Uh, again, I, I like to make it as basic as possible because I actually don't think it's more complicated than that. It's a diet that's healthy and, and balanced. And then it's moderate physical activity. Moderate physical activity, research shows us, is getting up to about 65% of your maximum heart rate and doing that for 30 minutes, three, four times a week, maybe five, that's fine. But at the minimum, three to four times a week. And if you do that, I personally believe that everybody should be trying to do 30 minutes of something where they break a bit of a sweat and lose a bit of their breath at least six days a week. I, I actually think that's better because that will move you towards weight loss and other things that are better. But in general, the research doesn't go with me on that. What they basically say is for overall health, it's three times a week. I like the idea of doing it a little bit more often, even if it's half an hour, because I just think our, our lifestyles are way too sedentary now. We, we sit most of the time for everything that we do. Um, we're, we're now on tablets or computers all the time, phones. We're never really doing anything like we used to. So I, I encourage everybody, six days a week, get out and do something for half an hour. And, and John, I'm not talking about this has to be a gym, right? You have to go and do a, a, a half an hour workout. Go for a walk. Go for a walk with your loved ones or kids, whomever it may be. Go play maybe a sport that you enjoy a couple times a week. Uh, sometimes even just doing stuff around the house. When we look at some of that research, when we look at moderate physical activity, they include in there things like gardening and raking leaves. That, that's, that's movement. That's physical activity. Now, that's not necessarily fun. Well, maybe the gardening for some people is. I don't know about raking leaves. Um, but try to do something that you also enjoy, right? And it could be anything, and you could switch it up. It doesn't need to be the same thing every day. You, 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 can, you, can, you can mix it up so that it creates uh, something that, that is enjoyable for you, that you're not just, you know, getting used to one thing and it's becoming boring and mundane, but rather you keep going with it. So that, that's the underlying message that I think has been so forgotten in this whole pandemic. It, it, the pandemic is important, of course, but I think the pandemic has exposed a lot of deficiencies. Uh, we've spoken about the deficiencies in the healthcare system, but one of the main deficiencies, and again, we're not going to fix the healthcare system. We're not politicians. That's not what we're here to do. But yeah. what we can try to change is people's ideologies and making them understand that try, moving towards overall health is going to be incredibly important for anything that you're going to face from a health perspective in your life. Again, it doesn't matter whether it's this pandemic, a flu, some other diagnosis, a, a physical injury, whatever it may be. If you're in better shape, and again, shape doesn't mean I'm not talking about aesthetics. You don't need to have a six-pack. But if you feel like health is a combination of physical health, social health, mental health, and sometimes even spiritual health, but being that all-encompassing, like, you know, if you're going up the stairs in your house and you're running out of breath and you feel like you ran a marathon, you're not healthy, okay? If you can barely bend over, uh, you know, outside of an injury, right? But because you've got a gut in front of you, you're not healthy. And that's what I'm talking about. It's just getting that stuff under control. Doesn't mean you need to be in bodybuilding shape, but you've got to get down to a healthy weight. You've got to eat a healthy lifestyle and you've got to exercise. And if you do those things and then, and then encompassed with the mental health and the social health stuff, that's how you move towards real health.
Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you say it's not the aesthetic. And, you know, a, a friend of mine who's, who's pretty healthy and been, been pretty active uh, his whole life in the gym and otherwise has always said, you know, take care of the inside and the outside will take care of itself. And I really believe that. I mean, you concentrate on, on building a better body and eating right, and all of a sudden, hey, I start looking better by through osmosis. And it's just, you, if you treat it that way, I think that's the, uh, that, that's the goal you want to try to achieve, right? Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I've often tried to tell people. I'm not a mental health expert. I, I, I work in the realm of, of identifying mental health, and then I refer it to my colleagues who work in that space. But one of the things that I've often said to friends and family maybe who are dealing with mental health things, because I've had my own mental health things, it, sometimes it's hard to fix that. But you know what does a good job at, at, try, at starting the process is getting moving. Get out there, yeah. get the blood flowing, get, get doing something like physical activity. And it's like you said there, John, because all of these things are all related, you create a snowball effect. You create an effect where, okay, once your physical health starts to fall into place, you know what? I'm actually feeling a little bit better. I don't have as much depression because you build confidence in that way. And there's something powerful about that because we can affect our physical bodies so much quicker than we can affect so many other things. There are much better ways to deal with mental health, right? Cognitive behavior therapy, all of these other things that are extremely important for different things. But I'm talking about sometimes it's all encompassing. And, and the quickest way that if you're not a trained professional and you just got to do something to get you out of the, I'm not talking about like clinical severe depression. I'm talking about you feel down, you're anxious about something, get out there, go for a walk, go for a run, cycle, whatever it may be, play, play, play a sport. Believe me, it does a lot of things. It gets your heart rate up. It gets blood flowing to your muscles. You're probably doing something where you have to focus in on what you're doing so you're not everywhere else in your mind. It does so much. It has so much incredible benefit. And then there's the long-term effect that as you do that more and more and you start to feel better, look better, all of that will contribute to your overall mental health as well. It's amazing to your point, which we'll, uh, we'll continue here after a, a short break for sure, getting that all-encompassing mental health and physical health all together, how it can uh, improve your outlook for sure. That's on the way. And uh, any other health concerns you got, you want to discuss something, that's why the phone lines are open here for the remainder of this hour here on the Pinpoint Health Show. Ready to take your calls. Any uh, health concerns, bring them on. Dr. Lou is standing by. We'll continue. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Info at pinpointhealth.ca to uh, reach out anytime. In that regard, get to uh, Dan. Dan, thanks for standing by for a moment or two. What's on your mind? Uh, so I just had a question for the for the doctor. Uh, about sure. Six months ago, I had uh, some knee surgery done. Um, it was, uh, I guess, what you'd call a scope surgery, uh, meniscal right. tear. Yep. And, um, I'm just not feeling a hundred percent, but about like eighty percent there. And um, you know, from talking to the doctor after the surgery and my physiotherapist, they told me, you know, four to six weeks, you should be good to go. So my biggest right. thing now is, um, you know, just after a, a day, I, I work in construction. So um, at the end of the day, I'm feeling really tight and I feel like I got to ice it all the time. And uh, I'm trying my best to keep it stretched out. And um, But I just want to know what you think of that. And, sure. Um, uh, how old are you, Dan? I'm 40. 40, okay. So you're still young. What, did you play sports that led to that type of 
of injury or what, what was sort of the genesis of it? You know what? I've, I've been working in construction for about 20 years, so it would have right. been uh, just wear and tear and uh, probably just fooling around uh, playing some sports with the kids uh, that uh, might have popped it one day. And then I kind of left it for about a year, year and a half, and then it got really bad and I had to go see the surgeon. And did they say anything about whether there's a significant amount of arthritis in there or no? No, never heard anything okay. like that. Okay, so good. Yeah, so yeah, definitely that type of, so sometimes scope surgeries, when you're looking at meniscal tears, number one, you're trying to determine, okay, is it something that is degenerative in nature? So through the the wear and tear process, it's just starting to fray, or was there something a little more traumatic? It sounds like maybe there's a combination of the two, whatever it may be. Um, It sounds like you're also doing rehab following the surgery. You have a physiotherapist you're working with? Uh, not right now, but at the beginning, maybe for a month, month and a half, I would go in once a week, and then it turned into every couple weeks. And uh, and, and what type of stuff were you doing? Was it exercise-based, or was it just machines and ice and stuff like that? No, it was just exercising, just, you know, working the knee, just trying to loosen yeah. it up, uh, you know, kind of pinpointing on four different kind of exercises, uh, yeah. stretching and stuff like that. And are you still, are you still doing those exercises? As much as I can, if I can get up in the morning and do them or at the end of the day, I'm doing it. I'm feeling loose. It's not, you know, I, I can do the exercises. My, my my knee's stretching pretty good. It's just the tightness and, um, you know, at the end of the day, and I'm like, I'm wondering if it um, should be off my feet a little more or is it just something that takes a little time to heal? And what they yeah, so I, I think a combination of things, like should you be off your feet, I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily whether you're on or off your feet. It's sort of what you're doing day to day. Um, and obviously construction could be very hard on the knees. So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily help, but it's not necessarily something that holds you back either. Uh, in, in this case, like there's, there's a lot of things that I'd want to ask you to know more about. I'd want to see your knee just to make sure what it sounds like to me is, is you're almost there. It's, and, and when you're almost there in a lot of these problems, what the last bit of it is, is a lot of progressive exercise. So it's not really just, okay, here are four exercises and do them forever, but more here are some exercises, do these, do them a lot. As you get stronger, we're going to make the exercises harder and, and progression. It's sort of like I give a lot of times I give the example of someone's like trying to lose weight. And you could start with a half an hour walk because you've never done anything. You'll lose some weight, but then you'll adapt to that. And as you adapt, then people complain of plateauing. So it's constantly, now they've got to jog and then they've got to run and maybe then they've got to run for longer or faster or whatever. And that's the same type of thing with rehabilitation following surgery is it's not just about here are some exercises, but how do you make those exercises harder, you know, probably about every two weeks until the, to the point where the person's so strong in that area um, that most of their pain. And, and when people complain of what you're complaining about, where it's, just that last little bit, like 10, 20%, that's usually what I find. Now, again, the, the asterisk there is I haven't seen you, I haven't assessed you, so I, I can't say for sure, but that's what it's sounding like to me right now. Okay, great. Okay, so give me a call or we'll have someone call you, but we could definitely, um, you know, the, for pardon the pun, but we'll pinpoint the problem. Okay, and that, how do how do I do that? Do I talk to the? I'll have, if you've left your number with the call screen, or I'll have someone give you a call on Monday. 
And Dan, I'll give it to you again, just in case, right here, right now. So, uh, so listen in one eight five five. Pardon me, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U and info at pinpointhealth.ca. This comes up every. Well, I won't say every show, but every few shows. That knee, that knee is a tricky <laughs> thing, man. Damn, the you. knee is. Uh, well, listen, John. It comes up for for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a hinge joint in our lower extremity between two mobile. Uh, joints. So a lot of the underlying issues that eventually led to the knee problem probably are coming somewhere from either the hip or the, or the, or the ankle and people just don't realize. And then, you know, they get to a point where finally there's something going on in the knee and and not that that's not the immediate issue at the point, but there's probably a functional issue there, but that's probably why it's so common because it's taking the brunt of the abuse in the lower extremity, right? Like when you're moving around, um, that's where it's going to happen because we have a lot more degrees of freedom in our ankles and our hips, um, and that allows more things to happen, and, and our knee doesn't have that. Um, so, you know, we're, people develop knee pain. And, uh, yeah, it's not, his, Dan's story there is not actually all that uncommon, uh, especially for people who are in that type of industry, like physical labor, construction, moving around a lot, um, especially if there's some underlying problem there from, you know, injuries when the person was younger, um, this tends to happen, those types of meniscal injuries, um, you know, and, and, and that, again, goes back to the point that I started with. When these areas of your body are stronger, even before the operation, right now with Dan, we were, stock, we were talking about rehabilitation, so getting him back, but there's also prehabilitation, yes. which is keeping everything strong in anticipation or in, in the event that there may be something that eventually happened. And both of those, and again, I'm not suggesting that Dan did or did not do that. That's not the point, but I'm just trying to highlight the, the importance of both of those things. But I am happy to hear that he was doing therapy and exercises following most of the time, or I shouldn't say most of the time, but maybe 50% of the time. Unfortunately, what I tend to hear is I got surgery. And then, you know, my next question, John, did you do any therapy? And we've had it on the show, even when I ask it here on the show, it's probably about 50% say, no, I never did. And that is bad. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's like really, really bad if you didn't do anything. So I think Dan has, is, is ahead of the curve. Uh, compared to a lot of people out there. But if you're having any type of surgery for a musculoskeletal problem, uh, I almost can't think of anything where I would say you don't need therapy after. And if someone is telling you that you don't need therapy after, you really need to question that person as to why. Maybe there's something specific in your medical history that I, I can't speak about in a general conversation, but I'd be very surprised. And, and that type of thinking is extremely flawed. Any good surgeon out there will, will agree with me. And most surgeons are good surgeons. They'll agree that following these types of procedures, you absolutely need to do rehab and therapy following those types of, of surgical procedures. Dr. Liu, you know, you, you used uh, a couple terms in there talking about Dan and his situation with mobility and being a, having a physical job. Have you noticed now that people are starting to, it could be a hybrid situation, could be back all the way into work, depending on what their job was, whether it was sedentary or otherwise. Now that COVID-19, we've got some 
Restrictions lifted. Workplaces are getting busy again. Have you noticed people after um, this last year and a half possibly not heeding your advice that we talked about getting out and exercising because it's simple to, to put that by the wayside? Have you noticed people now that we're back into the workforce are saying, hey, you know what, Dr. Lou, I, I, I've got back to work and all of a sudden I've got a shoulder problem. I haven't been at my desk. I haven't been you know, using tra- uh, transportation, so on and so forth. They're getting a little more physical again and they're a little uh, a little rusty, I guess you could say, for lack of a better yeah. term. Have you seen that in your yeah. clinic? Um, so one of the things that I've seen, and, and, I'll, and it's funny, I'll, I'll, I'll place the analogy towards wealth. One of the things that we saw in this pandemic is that wealth became even more concentrated, right? The, the richest companies in the world did better than they ever did. I, I feel like this pandemic did the same thing when it comes to health. The people who are gym goers are going to the gym more than they ever have because they've been off from it, right? So, so it's concentrated that and the people who haven't, who have never been those people are really worried about their health. I feel like this has disenfranchised them even further and they're taking even less care of themselves. In all honesty, that's what I feel like. I've, I'm not wow. basing this on any empirical research or, you know, some paper that's come out or anything like that. My simple, humble opinion with the people that I speak with, I speak with a lot of people, with the people we see at the clinics, we see lots of people. I feel like there's been that same distribution where those that were already taking care of their health, their health are doing more to take care of their health because they're, they're seeing, okay, this really matters. Being healthy matters towards better outcomes. And I think this really, really showed them that. And, and I feel like that has happened. People who are interested in, in wanting to keep healthy, the minute they're feeling something, they're coming in, they're saying, I got to get this looked at. I don't want, I don't want to lose time. I, I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm able to do. I, I got to stay fit. I got to do whatever it is. Um, and, and people who care about that. Uh, but unfortunately, in terms of the new people moving into that, I've not seen that as much. And I could tell that based also on this radio show. Uh, for so many years following these shows, the amount of calls that I would get from new people was astronomical, and it was beautiful. It was, it was a great thing, and I was happy to, to hear people talk to them. In, since COVID-19, I, I don't even get a small fraction of what used to happen. I feel like people that have never really been concerned about these things are just using this as a further excuse. And, and I shouldn't say, like, I don't use it excuse in a bad way. It might also be that because they don't know the place that they're thinking of going, they don't feel safe. So I'm just saying excuse, and I don't mean any emotion towards that, whether that's a positive or negative, but it's some type of an excuse is my point. That's what I feel has happened, um, which is unfortunate because I think it's really those people that, that we've got to get doing more and being more proactive on their health because uh, I think that that should be one of the greatest, you know, like I can think of some fundamental things that matter for our societies. We have an election coming up and the two things I'm going to talk about right now don't apply um, to federal elections, uh, but healthcare and education, like if we're not investing in education and healthcare for, for the citizens, then I don't know what else could be more important than those two things. And, and, and when I say that, I don't just mean that from a government standpoint, but also what we need to do as individuals to be accountable on both of those things. Because you, you can educate yourself, you can take care of your own health, you should be the leader in both of those things for yourself or for your kids because they're your dependents. Got a couple minutes before we got to slide into a break, so we will get to uh, Todd's call. Hey, Todd. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hi, What's up? Uh, I'm 59 years old, and I've been uh, had an MRI because I've had severe pain in my neck and down my right shoulder, and on occasion on my left. So 
they did the test and they got an MRI. My doctor told me I got severe arthritis from L1, L2, right to L5 in my neck. And he feels it's so severe they can't operate. And I, I don't want to be on painkillers. Okay, so neck, L, the L vertebrae are lumbar, that's low back. But you're no, saying. No, neck. sorry, my neck. My okay, neck. So C1, uh, C2, so those. C1. Yeah. C1. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, again, I'd have to look at that image to see how bad it is. I mean, if we're talking about the cervical spine, the neck, neck surgery is no joke. Like, I. I, I unless there is severe, not pain. So here's the one thing when it comes to spine-related surgeries. When we're talking about generalized pain or are we talking about neurological deficits? So sometimes arthritis could be so bad that it pinches on a specific nerve and it causes that specific nerve to not work, which means that maybe that portion of muscle in the arm doesn't work or you can't feel. That's neurological deficit. That's different. That usually surgery is very helpful for. But if we're talking about generalized pain, that's very different. I'd have to see what's going on. The other thing that I would say is, you know, again, neck surgery is no joke. Like, it's, it's, you've got to go in from the front. It's, it's very, very serious, okay? And so, you know, most people, most surgeons are going to be hesitant to, to want to do that type of surgery if they don't really believe that there's going to be a benefit. And that's what I think. When I was speaking with someone the other day, that was asking me about a particular doctor and they were saying, you know, I've heard bad things about this doctor and I know this doctor, can you comment? I said, there's no bad thing. One of the biggest deficiencies in healthcare professionals is their inability to communicate effectively. And maybe that's what sets me apart because I'm a good communicator and I really try to explain to people what's going on. But this is where maybe what the, what the surgeon is thinking is really like it's, it may not be worth the, the risk. The potential little benefit may not be worth the risk of that kind of, uh, of, of that kind of surgery. Well, I haven't, I haven't got to the surgeon yet. I'm just, my, it was just my family doctor that's given me this uh, diagnosis. Okay, well, then, then, then we're, we're dealing with another, another problem, right? So I, I, you've got to get that to someone who, if we take your 59 years old you mentioned, if we take an x-ray of 159-year-olds, we're going to see arthritis. The question becomes, yes. does the arthritis match up with what we see clinically in the patient? And unfortunately, a lot of times in a, in a general practitioner's office, they're not necessarily correlating those things. They're just looking at what the imaging says. And listen, that's not, they're not wrong to do that. Their job is to do a little bit of everything and send it to people that know more about any specific thing. And, and this is a very specific thing. So there, there's, we'd have to look at that, right? We'd have to look at, okay, what does the image show, but what are you experience, experiencing symptomatically and clinically in an exam? And once we figure that out, we could determine the best course of action. Really appreciate the uh, the call, Todd. Got to slide into a quick break and get back with more, so we'll give you time as well to, to grab a phone just like Todd did. It's like that. Just ask a question. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You got a few moments. You have some concerns about your own health or uh, calling on behalf of a family member, maybe a pal, colleague. No worries. Dr. Lou standing by to take more of your calls. 
give you uh, the best advice you could possibly give outside of the uh, show info at pinpointhealth.ca. The Pinpoint Health Clinic's always expanding, always reaching, and uh, ready to serve and uh, and help for sure. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, you know some people with the uh, the way we've come through the pandemic so far, with more things being open, you're seeing people either completely abandoning their health, which is not good, and the the other ones like you and I who are like, it's as soon as gyms open, it was full on DefCon four, get in there and go absolutely. You're trying to make up for lost time, which is good, but you just got to temper that a little bit with some patience because it's going to take a while to uh, to get back on the horse and and get yeah. galloping right. Yeah, and 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 that's why we've seen an influx of those people. Uh, yeah. People that have tried to get back to different types of activity. And, and John, that's a lot of things, whether it was golfing this summer, which still happened last year. But, I, you know, things have been a little bit different this year. Uh, there's more stuff that's known. So people have been more willing to go back to, to things that were more normal. Um, and so, you know, the point here is be proactive about these things, even when it comes to pain and injury. If you're proactive, um, you could deal with things. And I've, I've said it a million times and I'll continue to say it a million times. It is always easier to deal with something in an acute scenario than it is a chronic scenario. I was having a conversation with um, with a patient a few uh, weeks ago, maybe two, two weeks ago, um, and they had a fracture and and where it was in their ankle um, you know, I, I actually said, you know, in a way, you almost had the better outcome by having such a, an acute, severe injury. And what I meant by that is a lot of people, you don't ignore that stuff, right? Like when you have a severe fracture outside of the pain, right? What I'm talking about is the eventual prognosis and outcome. It's going to heal. They're going to be totally fine because they got on it. They're motivated. They know how serious it is. They're going to do all the rehab that they have to do. And like from day one, they're on top of it. And, and so it's a beautiful thing, right? Like it happens, unfortunately, but you get through it. Sometimes with the more minor types of injuries, like a sprain, let's say, for example, these are the things, or someone has plantar fasciitis or whatever other foot condition that is in the beginning very mild and, and seems overall benign, but then becomes this persistent pain in the foot, right? Where, where they, they, and people, we've had the, that call on this show a million times as well, where someone's like, I, I got plantar fasciitis and it's been years. I, I've tried everything. I can't get rid of it. And again, it's it, a lot of the times it's because they're not dealing with it in that acute scenario. I could tell you in that same example of fracturing that ankle, if you didn't deal with that right away and get it placed and cast it in an air boot, uh, whatever it may be, right away and you left it for the equivocal amount of time that most people leave the other injuries for, months and months, I promise you you'd be dealing with the exact same mess of, of sequelae of pain as a result of that. But the good thing about those types of extreme injuries is they force people to intervene immediately because they otherwise don't have a choice. And, and, and in a way, that sometimes saves that, those long-term consequences and that nagging issue that, they, that can never be figured out. And people come see me all the time for this, and they say, no one can figure it out. It's like, no, to figure it out is actually easy. Like, it is plantar fasciitis, or it is a sprain. It's easy. That part is easy. What's not so easy is dealing with a chronic issue, and that's the misnomer there. It's not that it's hard to figure it out. It's hard to treat because it's different when it's chronic. And, and I can go into you know, hours and hours talking about why chronic is different, but one of the most basic things that I can tell people why chronic is different is because there's a learned behavior there. Right. So you start developing pathways, and the most extreme example of this it's phantom limb pain where people can still have pain in the limb that may not even be there because we can create that map of pain in our mind. 
And I won't go much further than that because we don't have to get into the, uh, the neuro uh, anatomy of it and, and the neuropsychology of it, but that is the reality of it. And that's why I consistently tell people, deal with these things acutely. And one of the biggest things that creates an economic deficiency, like only second to, to the cold and flu and now COVID-19, is chronic low back pain for this very reason, because people have back pain acutely and, and it gets better maybe in a week or two weeks. They don't do much about it. And then, John, how many times have we heard this? Like, this is like the textbook case. I, you know, oh, hi, I've had low back pain for about 20 years. When it first happened 20 years ago, I was doing something. I hurt my back. I could barely move. But then after a few weeks, it was totally better. Then it happened a year after that. Uh, and it would always go away. And it seemed like it was happening every single year for a decade. But it yeah. would get better within two weeks. And now I'm at the point that it never gets better. It's there 100% of the time. And, and then my usual follow-up question is, well, what have you done since that first injury? I've done nothing. I just waited out. And when it happens, I take some painkillers. Well, it, there is the very problem. It's about rehabilitating those structures early on, and that will prevent that. So that's one of the things that I often will say to people is you don't know the realm of possibilities. I know because I've studied it and I see people and so I always encourage people that I see that are in these acute things like, hey, you've got to do this. You should really be doing this because here's what it could be if you don't do this stuff. And unfortunately, when I say it could be, it's not like the stats are on your side with that, right? The stats are that if you experience back pain once in your life, you're 80% likely to experience it again the year after. And oh every time after that, it goes up. So you go do the math. After a few times of experiencing low back pain, you essentially could get to the point where you have back pain 100% of the time. So the stats are not on your side. And this is what I tell people. Like, it's not, this is a deficiency in being a human. It's just the reality. It's the way we're built, and it is what it is. So deal with this stuff early and deal with it effectively. And, and a lot of the times, John, it's not even the fault of the patient. It's the fault of the places where they go that don't encourage the right type of rehabilitation and therapy. And there's so many reasons for that. I won't get into it. But this is why I do this show, to give people th this type of, of, of ideology that they can hear me and say, hey, this guy makes sense. And I want everybody to know that if I make sense, everybody that works with me and my team has the exact same thinking or they wouldn't be part of the team. And that is why Pinpoint Health is a place that people can trust. That's my little infomercial at the end. But more importantly, it's focus on dealing with stuff in the acute stage. You still got a bit of time to call with any questions about, uh, you know, clinic stuff with Dr. Lou or something physical for yourself or someone who's a little bashful to call. Info at pinpointhealth.ca to reach out through email as well. We'll take a short break. Got a few minutes to go right here. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Got a few minutes here. You want to make that phone call, get some answers, and uh, and reach out. Irene, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? Um, I've been, I had an MRI done a couple of years ago, and I was diagnosed with severe arthritis. And at that point, the doctor wanted to do a hip replacement for me, and I kind of waited. I'm thinking, oh, it's not so bad. I'm taking routine and acupuncture and the whole deal. But now it's the left hip that's very painful in the left knee. And I want to know, is there anything I can do that's less intrusive than getting this metal thing stuck into my hip? Um, 
It depends on how bad your hip is, is what I'll say. Uh, what I can tell you is when hips are severely arthritic and, and people are in full-time pain, including at nighttime, um, one of the yep. best things you can do is that hip replacement, in all honesty. Having said that, I would need to see the image. I'd have to see how the hip moves in order to make that determination. If you're not quite there, then, then maybe there's other alternatives. The other thing I'll ask you, I know women don't like to be asked this, but how old are you? I'm 58. 58. So you're still young, right? Like that, that's the other thing. These are mechanical pieces that on average have a lifespan of about 15 years. So you want to try to do this later in life. That way you only have to do it once and not necessarily twice. So, you know, some surgeons would say, hey, you're too young. Try to buy yourself some more time a few years and then start considering it. That's one, one approach. Another approach, again, is if you're in too much severe pain, including nighttime for six months yeah. consistent, then it's probably the right time to do it. We'd have to see. Okay. There are other alternatives. There's the right types of physical interventions in terms of physical therapy, exercises, that type of stuff that can play a role. Sometimes certain injections can play a role. And those would be the two, you know, the therapy component being not non-invasive at all. And then minimally invasive procedures like injections. And then moving to the most invasive uh, option, which is surgery, uh, if, if that is needed. And, and again, if I think in the right circumstances, a very good thing and people get a lot of relief. Um, again, if it's all sort of planned out the right way and, and, and it depends where the pain is that you're feeling, there's a lot of factors to consider. Uh-huh. Do you think uh, cortisone shots would be helpful? Or? Potentially, again, um, I, I sometimes my a lot of times, you know, we, we tend to do cortisone at our clinics a lot more for knee issues. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't find it helpful. In fact, if you talk to most people, they'll say, oh, I did it and it, and it didn't help. What I usually tell people is, although that is common, it's worth a shot. Pardon the pun again. It's worth a shot. It's very inexpensive. One shot is there's not really any negatives to one shot. And sometimes it could help. I was speaking to a patient two days ago that called back in for their knee issue. Um, They have severe arthritis. Three, four years ago, we got one of the surgeons to give her a cortisone injection. She was perfect for four years, never had another issue. She's having issues again now today. So she's an example of that. Now, what I hear more often, just to be, I like being honest with everybody, is, hey, I got a cortisone injection. It didn't do anything. That's fine. But it may be worth trying it because it's extremely inexpensive. It's easy. And it uh, it might be effective. I see. Do they ever do like a hip replacement and a knee replacement at the same time? Or is that two different surgeries? I mean, anytime you're doing that, you create you, people might be immobile. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it never happens. I would say that if it was ever going to happen, you'd have to be in a rehab hospital, uh, probably just based on on that. I know sometimes they'll do both hips at one time, and then uh, they'll try to again. It's just a little bit more involved in terms of the rehab and and also the person's daily life, right? So um, if that can be avoided, it might be a good thing. But it depends. Again, that. All of those questions are always dependent on the individual situation. There's no uh, necessary, necessary game plan for any one thing. I see there. 
Okay, thank you so much for your help. That was very my helpful. pleasure. Thank you, and have a super great day. Thanks so much. You as well. Thank you, thank you Irene. Appreciate uh, appreciate you reaching out. I'll give you the number just in case you want to have uh, more points come up and you want to uh, want to ask Doctor Lou one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. And those are some general questions you get all the time when it comes to hips and knees, right? Can I just you know can I narrow it down to a simple cortisone shot? Or are we just going under the knife and replacing this whole sucker? I mean, it's that's sometimes what it comes down to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, John, listen, I'm, I'm a realist in what I try to tell people is when you're going to come into my office, I'm going to give you what the reality is. I have people that come in, they've been told they should go for surgery, and they are simply coming in for my opinion. They don't necessarily need me to figure out the problem, which I still do. I still take it from step one, right? And sometimes when I get to the end, I say, yeah, you know what, I, I would do the replacement, like just based on what I'm seeing. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, geez, I was really hoping you'd tell me something different, but I appreciate your honesty. That's, that's what I want to hear at the end of every single interaction that I have with patients is I really appreciate your honesty and how well you explain things. Those are the two things that if I haven't done that, I haven't done my job. And, and, and that is what I try to do with every single person. I make no apology about it uh, because I think that's the right way to go about it. And, and, pe- and, and genuinely, people appreciate it. I know they appreciate it. I've had very few in, in, in you know, a decade of doing what I'm doing. I've had I, I maybe one or two minor complaints from individuals about more misunderstandings than anything to do with, with them not being happy with, uh, with the advice that I'm giving them. But I, I tell people, my job is not to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to tell you what I think. And then we can develop a game plan together on what it is you want, because that's part of evidence-based care is the best clinical uh, experience, the best scientific evidence based on literature and the patient preferences. That's not to be discounted, but we're always going to start with the first two on what I know and what the research shows. And then you come in with the patient preferences. You're never going to have to do something you don't want to do. But I I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you the, the things that would have the strongest effect for what you're looking for. And we are done for another day. Reaching out now that we are complete, simple, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, pinpointhealth.ca. Find a clinic near you, and you can email Dr. Lou and his team as well, info at pinpointhealth.ca. We'll catch you next time. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.